Frustrated with toxic people, they can't see how much they hurt me. I just want this chaos to cease. Here's your host, Dr. Shayla, my source for how to live a life of peace. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity. Welcome back to another episode of the Toxic People Detox, the show that helps you find peace in the midst of toxic people. If you're just tuning in, then this is the third of a series of Start Here videos. So I'm going to have four. And for this particular episode, I want to talk about the eight characteristics of an awesome life. Now, the question is, why is it some people have trouble dealing with toxic people and others not so much? Now, you could say it's it's personality. Some people are more resilient. But if you're that type that has trouble and you're having trouble getting past some of the toxicity, you know, I've, I've talked about my story, then what is it about these people that makes them so different? How is it that someone who doesn't, who's not really bothered by it so much can just let things wash off their back? Whereas some people just, they, they, they let toxic people get to them and they, they, they internalize it. And there's like, oh, I can't believe that person that so-and-so, what so-and-so did to me, which is actually what happened to me. I was that person that internalized it. I didn't deal with it very well. I didn't deal with it well at all. However, I managed to move past it. So how did I do that? And I talked about in the first episode what the toxic people detox is and what it isn't. And to pretty much distill it down into a sentence, it is creating such an awesome life that toxic people become an afterthought. So with this episode, what are those characteristics of an awesome life? Now, before I talk about, well, first let me name them. They are the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the social, environmental, financial, and occupational. So basically, I distilled it down to eight. And some people might have a different list, but this is just my perspective, and this is how I managed to move past it. But here's some ground rules. Rule number one is that you have to understand this isn't about achieving balance between these aspects of your life because I doubt you ever will. I don't know anyone who does. I wish I could say, ah, oh, yes, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very balanced person. But here, I have to challenge you on this notion. I ask my students, if you see a scale, the scale is balanced, what's happening to the scale? And they'll say, nothing. And my response is, that's correct. Nothing is happening. And I say, you know where all the balanced people hang out? In a cemetery. So this isn't about balance. It's about harmony. And I like someone who put it this way, that harmony is just like listening to a song, listening to an orchestra. You have the vocals, you have different instruments, you have different aspects of a song. They might, they might be playing things at different times, you know, the woodwinds, the brass, and again, you might have some vocals in there. Whatever it is, it's all contributing to one song. And so think of these characteristics as contributing to, one, to you. Here's uh, rule number two. This is not about perfection, okay? Because when I talk about the physical, as you can see, I'm not in the best physical shape. One of the problems I had is I gained 100 pounds. Now I've lost 30, but I still have like 70 more to go. So do I have to wait to lose those 70 pounds before I'm, I'm happy? Even, and that's assuming I can even lose those 70 pounds. I might be able to lose 50 of it and then that's it. So this isn't about waiting for something to achieve perfection or some to achieve the ideal state before you can have an awesome life. I can create an awesome life now, even though being overweight, you know, financially, I think I'm in a lot better shape financially, but I'll get into that. So let's start with the physical. 
the physical you're talking about, you know, there there's a basic physical needs such as food, clothing, and shelter. But when you really start to break them down, food, well, what about the quality of food? Is it, are you eating because it's just keeping you alive or is it actually helping your body thrive? There's some types of food that can just, that's just going to keep you alive, but not necessarily contribute to overall health which I'm going to talk about in the future podcast. The quality of foods, vitamins, minerals, and then you have sleep. The quality of your sleep. Are you sleeping? You know, some, some people will actually question the eight hours a day. I don't get eight hours, but it's, it's pretty, pretty close. But when I was going, when I was getting my PhD, <laughs> I didn't get a lot of sleep, like at all. There was one situation where I would stay in the lab to three or four o'clock in the morning. And then I was too tired to drive home. So I went into the ladies' restroom and there was a sofa in the front of the... As soon as you walk in the door, there's a sofa. So I slept on the sofa. And something woke me up. And that was the sound of elevator doors opening and closing. I mean, I'm a heavy sleeper and yet I heard the sound of elevator doors. So it it wasn't a a quality sleep and then I wasn't getting good sleep. And then I didn't go home because because it was now 8 o'clock in the morning. All right. So, and then physical needs. People talk about sexuality as being part of physical needs. Some people put that in its own category, but I lump it in with the physical. Okay. The second is the mental. And this is about ex- about expressing creativity, the intellectual, insp- having inspiration, having expanding your skill sets, critical thinking, concentration, and memory. Now, remember what I said before, it's not about perfection. Now, what about the people who are in a state of memory loss, like people in the early stages of Alzheimer's? What about people who have mental disorders? Are they going to lose out? Well, unfortunately, there are some aspects that do affect your life, but how do you cope with the memory loss? I have a relative who recognizes that, yes, that my memory is not as good as it used to be, but, you know, she is, is you know, season the day carpe diem. She knows, you know, at some point if I, I'm going to take medications, I'm going to do what I need to do to try to slow this process down, if not stop it. Otherwise I'm just going to have to live my life. And, you know, she told me, I can't, I can't think about sitting in a bed in an old folks home, not knowing who I am, much less who you are. But for right now, I have this moment. So that's what I mean. And for those people who have a mental disorder, can they mitigate that with medication or with a lifestyle change? something that can help them grasp onto reality and experience the moment. Okay, the next is emotional, and that is the ability to express emotions in an appropriate way, where it's self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-control, self-esteem, self-respect, the ability to acknowledge your flaws, and then the ability to be resilient, you know, emotional resilience, being able to stay calm under pressure. Some people are calm under pressure, some aren't. Again, if that's not where you want to be in your life, does that mean you can't have an awesome life? No, it's acknowledging the flaws, like I said, and being able to say, okay, this is what I need to move forward. Now, in my life, people people say, hey, you are so calm. Does anything get on your nerves? I'm like, yeah, a lot of things get on my nerves. (laughs) I just don't show it. Uh, I'm an introvert. So we tend to be more low-key. We tend to be laid back. Not all introverts, but I, I, I'm definitely one of them. However, the problem that I have, even though I may not express things outwardly, is pro- the problem is expressing inwardly, taking it into myself. And that's a lot. That, that was a large part in what caused my physical ailments, 
It's because I was harboring all this stuff. And yes, all these characteristics do play off of each other. They're interconnected. It's hard to remove one without affecting something else. I, it was pretty much self-destructive to the point where I even considered suicide. And I said, I have to acknowledge that I can't deal with this on my own. So I had to, I sought out a therapist and I had to acknowledge that, you know, seeing a therapist doesn't mean that you're crazy. It doesn't mean that you're, you're a loser. It just means that you acknowledge that there's some things that you can't handle. There's some things that are beyond you and you need outside help. So that is the emotional. Now the spiritual, when people say, well, yeah, I, I don't believe in God or I don't believe in religion. It's like, it's not so much religion per se. And then the belief of God, you know, that's a personal issue. I happen to believe in God, but spirituality and religion are not the same thing because you can be spiritual and not necessarily be religious. And, and consequently, you can be very religious and not be spiritual like at all. But in some cases, you can combine the two. So, uh, for example, you might have someone that follows a religion, but then they understand the spirituality of things. They say, okay, this is how I see the world as in terms of God or my or something that's beyond me. This is how I see the, the universe connectedness. Okay, meditation kind of deals with this. It, it's about knowing how you're connected, how everything is connected. I see everything as being connected that even even from a scientific standpoint that the elements that make up the earth that make up animals also make up human beings and you see these elements out out in space so your zest for life your morals and your values your moral your moral compass where is that coming from where do your values come from what is the source of that is it the belief of god is it the belief of something like objectivism or whatever it is that was what i consider to be spirituality okay social Social, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. You're talking about relationships, not necessarily romantic relationships. You're talking about relationships with family, with friends, with coworkers, if, if you have a job, with uh, people that you, that you might have met in the grocery store and you'll probably never see again. Okay, how you interact with people, basically. So we're talking about support between your needs and the needs of others. And see, when dealing with toxic people, a lot of folks... I would imagine fall flat on this area that somehow they blur the lines between their needs and the needs of others. Sometimes it's necessary to put the needs of others above your own. I remember when I was a Girl Scout camp and we were camping and we were in the tent and it was freezing. It was so cold. My mother took the covers off herself and wrapped them around me. So basically she, she was cold and I was nice and cozy and she wasn't, but she gave that up for me. So there are situations like that, self-sacrificing. But in general, when you're dealing with the needs of a toxic person, they almost expect you to put your needs above theirs. And we tend to accommodate them. That's what I did. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to keep the peace. But at the same time, I'm letting my, my own life suffer. So th that's what I mean by social. And as an introvert, social is not really my strongest point. In fact, we t we're not antisocial. It's just we tend to prefer our own company over the company of others. Like when I went to Rwanda with a group of students, they, no, I was fine for maybe like the first week, but after that I started withdrawing from them. Like, well, you don't like us anymore. What's wrong with you? I'm like, look, I see you all almost every day. I need some me time, okay? Now, the, the next one is environmental. Now, is it, are you talking about being a tree hugger? Not necessarily. Although it could involve the love of nature and 
and wanting to leave, you know, less of a carbon footprint, but I mean more so environment as in your immediate environment. We say we are a product of our environment, which I believe, but at some point that becomes an excuse. At some point we have to rise above that. It's like I've met students who've come from, I mean, they tell me some stories. They, they come from backgrounds, I mean, horrendous backgrounds, abusive, rela- abusive backgrounds, and yet they said, I'm not going to let that define me. I'm going to rise above that. That's what I mean. And then in my situation, you know, I have, you know, I create this, this one room where it's called my sanctuary, and that's where you know, I just relax. There's no TV in there. There's no media. It's just me and the four walls and the sound of a water fountain, and that's it. And that's pretty much my environment. It's, it's a peaceful environment. Okay. The next one is financial. Now, again, this one's obvious. It's about money so much. It's about, are you in debt? And if, you know, if, and if you are, you know, how are you trying to get that, how are you trying to whittle that debt down? What about budgeting? In my case, I was out of, I was out of tune financially for the longest time because I got myself in so much trouble. I had to file a chapter 13. As I've said in a previous episode, a chapter 13 Basically, you're telling the federal government you do not know how to control your finances. So they will control it for you anywhere from three to five years. And so, yeah, I spent a good, the better part of five years having the government control my finances, having them monitor every single thing I do. <laughs> and it, it wasn't fun. But, you know, something good did come out of that. And I'm going to talk about that in a future episode. Some the, What I learned from filing bankruptcy... And I actually had a coworker ask me, you know, I'm thinking about filing bankruptcy. I said, look, first of all, reconsider. Okay, please don't file it if you don't have to. In my situation, that was actually a good thing. The only thing I regret about that bankruptcy was not filing it sooner. If you're in a bankruptcy, how are you managing your finances? How are you managing your bankruptcy? If you're not in a bankruptcy, if you're fine, do you have a cushion? I went to an auto shop just yesterday as of this recording and we, the guy and I got the talking because I'm, you know, I'm taking auto mechanics <laughs> and he said, oh really? Okay. I'll give you a discount. I said, well, that's great. And then, and then somehow we got on the subject of $5 bills. He said, you know, I saved my $5 bills. I said, eh, so do I, you know, I have a whole jar of, I have a jar of $5 bills. If I see it, it goes away. And that's pretty much money. If something happens and I'm down to my last dollar, then that's when I dip into the five. Okay. The last one is the occupational. Now, when I mean occupational, I don't necessarily mean a job because, you know, there's some entrepreneurs. What if you're a homemaker? What if you're an artist or, or a musician? What I'm talking about is what do you do that gives you purpose or gives you joy and in terms of work? So if your job, if your job is a homemaker, then that's what you do. If your job is, say, in my case, as a professor, then that's what I do. If your job is an auto mechanic, if your job is an entrepreneur, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a musician, whatever it is, that exchange of money, then that's your occupation. So what is it about this one that makes that that makes it one of the characteristics? Because it actually ties into the financial in some ways. Well, being satisfied with what you do, and, I, and most Americans probably are not satisfied with what they do. Work-related stress, you know, homemakers. I remember there was one lady I knew and she had like, she has four kids and there there was a fifth one on the way and she said, talking about how stressed she is. And so she needed help from a community of other like-minded women who are homemakers too. So, and if you have a job, if you're like, 
a wage slave, I would say, than your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your coworkers. And most people will say that my relationship with my bosses are not, my relationship with my boss is not good or coworkers is not great. So the question is, what do you do about that? That goes to the financial too, because if you're doing this because you need the money, then what can you do to bring extra money? For me, when I, I had the opportunity to teach extra classes, most people will turn, and a lot of professors turn that down. And the question is, well, why would you turn down extra money? Look, <laughs> if, if you're teaching a class and you take one more class, you'd be surprised how much stress that adds to your life to the point you're asking, it wasn't even worth it. When one of my professors was, was out for a month, I took over his class. It was just one class, an hour long class. It just meant three days a week. So three hours a week, that's nothing. However, the workload, it's not just you get up in front of a classroom and you, then you talk. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And those three hours, I was wondering, well, man, was it even worth it? However, I did get the money and it did help me out tremendously. Now, going back to bankruptcy, if you make extra money, the, the trustee will take it or the, the bankruptcy court will take it from you. But in my situation, I owed 100% of my debt. So in my case, it didn't matter. All right, those are the eight characteristics what I consider to, to help you have an awesome life. And like I said, what about that time when I was in bankruptcy? Could, does that mean I can't have an awesome life? No, it means that I need to restructure some things. I need to reevaluate my belief system about money. And I did, it, it taught me a lot about money and it taught me a lot about patience. What about the emotional? And like I said, for me, it was seeing a therapist and finally getting to that point where I can really move past what happened. So that pretty much wraps up these eight dimensions of having an awesome life. Nothing has to be perfect. In fact, I don't think anything ever will be perfect. There might be circumstances where all eight of them are not perfect. You might have in a situation, like I said, when I, I filed a chapter 13, I also had health issues at the time. I talked about my blood pressure in a previous episode being 200 over 100. That's like stroke territory. And my blood sugar being like 455 fasting blood sugar now. And someone says, well, is that good? No, that's not good. If you tell your physician your blood sugar is 455, they'll probably send you, he or she will probably send you to the emergency room because that's diabetic coma territory right there. And they'll probably say, well, how are you still alive? So yeah, and, and that's what happened. And I said, look, I'm either going to have a stroke or I'm gonna go into a, a diabetic coma, pick your poison. So what if there's a third option? What if, what if I don't have to do either? So I need to change my life to minimize the fact of that happening. Now the sad reality is because of what's happening, I left up to natural circumstances, I've probably taken 10 years off of my life. And those are 10 years that I can never get back. I mean, who's to say? Who knows? I don't like to deal in what ifs, but all I can do at this point is acknowledge what I did and don't do that ever again. I have to watch what I eat. I can't just go out and eat donuts. My blood sugar will spike. I've managed to, I, I'm keeping my blood sugar under control without medication. I was on metformin and you're told if you get, if you get on metformin, you have to be on that for the rest of your life. Not necessarily. If you continue to do what you've done that got you in that mess in the first place, yes, you will be on it the rest of your life. Same thing with blood pressure but it's possible to get off of it. But my point here is saying that even though my physical health is not where I want it to be right now, even financially, I'm rebuilding my financial situation. Emotionally, I'm seeing a therapist for that. Mentally, that's probably the things that's, that's going great. Having that creativity, making this podcast, making the website, teaching, 
and even taking auto mechanics. Yes, I'm learning how to fix my own car. So social, yeah, I need to work, probably need to work on that a little bit more social. <laughs> my environment got that down pat. My environment's actually great. Financial, like I said, not so much occupational. I would say that's so-so. But even so, even though all these dimensions are not the, the same, I, I can't say they're all optimal, but I can say, well, okay, now these, this isn't, pretty much where I need to be for each, you know, for each aspect, you know, the financials were not where I need to be, the emotional, maybe not so much, but I can say that, yeah, I'm human being. That's how I deal with the whole thing. I say, look, I'm human. I'm not the only person in the world that's having this problem. And some people have it, have it worse than I do. Oh, sure. I wish I were, I were back to 155 and it's, you know, at, at my heaviest, I was 255. I wish I were back to 155. I'm like 225 now. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm fluctuating between 225 and 230. But, you know, I can have an amazing life. Even if it's not where I want to be, I can still say, you know, life is life. I am human and I make mistakes. And people around me make mistakes. And that's okay. I'm going to move forward. So that's it for this episode. I'll see you in the next episode, The Toxic People Detox, helping you find peace in the midst of toxic people. Go to the toxicpeopledetox.com. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity.